Has this Eurodollar cycle finally captured what had been the best performing currency? And it's a big one, though it may not be one that you immediately think of. Yet it is a key indication of monetary and economic flows and potential throughout the world, especially as it might have changed ever since late July. We keep seeing this coming up everywhere, whether it be China's yuan that got weak and then forced authorities in Beijing to intervene late in June into July. Interest rate swap spreads, a big crucial indication of dealer balance sheet capacities as well as collateral, a theme we're going to keep coming back to. July 24th, Japanese government bills, another global collateral indication. Early August forward, Italy to Germany spreads and on and on the list goes. India, something I mentioned just recently. The rupee, Timed exactly to July 24th, late July, rupee gets weaker all of a sudden, uh, Indian reserves start to disappear, and we keep asking the same question. What changed in late July? And we have a number of suspects, but this one, this one is a big one. And it's a big one because up until late July, it had been seemingly invulnerable. And I'm talking, of course, about Mexico's peso. And we're going to talk about why the peso is such a big indication, what's really going on behind it, and therefore, since the euro dollar seems to have grabbed it, what does that actually mean for a lot more than Mexico's fortune? How does it fit into this over, overall global collateral pattern that is building up and playing out all through late summer and now into the early autumn? But I'm Jeff, this is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. We are having a webinar tomorrow night, 6.30 p.m. There'll be a link in the description of this video. I'm told by Josh that there are a few slots left. So if you're interested in, in joining me to talk about the dollar system, really the Eurodollar, Eurodollar dominance, what that means and why it's spoken of with derision around the rest of the world, what is it that everybody's actually trying to do? Are they replacing the dollar? Can they replace the dollar? What does the euro dollar have to do with all of it? Find out tomorrow afternoon, tomorrow evening, Eastern time. It's afternoon some places around the world. I hope to see you there. Again, link in the description. Webinar's free. All you, do, all you need to do is sign up. There's a few spots left, so I really do hope to see you tomorrow evening. So before we get into... The summer of Eurodollar hate or Eurodollar extreme, I'm not sure what we should call it. It's the summer of Eurodollar disruption, that's for sure. And we'll see, uh, we'll see that in the peso too. Before we get into that, let's back up. We need to do the re uh, review here on the peso, Mexico, the economy, all that kind of stuff. Because the peso, like all the rest of the currencies, again, the, the dollar unites everything. You see clear, you clear imprints from these euro dollar cycles that I talked about in a, in a recent video, just really recent video. The euro dollar cycles aren't really cycles. They're just these periods where we see one after another after another, monetary indications, market prices, curve shape changes, the dollar's exchange value, as well as economic consequences from all of these things aligning in one direction or the other. And when they align in the wrong direction, that means nothing but trouble. Trouble in terms of monetary disruption, illiquidity, if you will, financial volatility, and of course, the economy suffers from all of those things. 
A big one is the U.S. dollar exchange value. When the U.S. dollar exchange value goes up against a lot of currencies, and usually over the last 16 years, it's almost all of them together, the dollar goes up in value, that's nothing good. And the Mexican peso is very much the same as all the rest of them. So you look back to the pre-crisis period, what you see is this, the same kind of stability that you used to see in all these other financial indications like cross-currency basis swaps and interest rate swap spreads and other things. The peso was incredibly stable through the middle 2000s. And notice too that Alan Greenspan couldn't change that. Despite the rate hikes in the US, the peso was at least steady to slightly stronger, even though interest rates in the US, at least short-term interest rates were being forced up by the Fed. Uh, Longer-term rates didn't really move all that much in Greenspan's conundrum. But the peso was incredibly stable up until the summer of 2008. And just prior to the summer of 2008, the peso was actually rising with oil prices, which is something you should expect because higher oil prices, Mexico being a significant oil exporter, meant more dollars available for Mexico. But up until the summer of, or in, in the summer of 2008, along with currencies all around the world, suddenly the peso gets weaker. Oil prices plunging, um, like CNY, the economy starts to fall off all around the world. It wasn't just a subprime is contained US problem. It was a global economic distress coming from contagion spreading around the world as the euro dollar number one global dollar shortage really started to impact. And so the rising US dollar falling counterpart currency is a crucial indication of dollar shortage, particularly collateral. And the peso was no different in 2008. So August 2008, the peso starts to decline. And then with everything else, the financial crisis, which was a monetary crisis, the peso plummeted. And it plunged all the way until March 9th of 2008. Again, consistent. As soon as the crisis started to end, mark to market, not the Fed, then the peso began to rebound. Again, it wasn't rate hikes, it wasn't interest rate differentials, it was global dollar sufficiency or global dollar shortage. That's what determines the dollar's direction and everyone else is just along for the ride. Euro dollar number two. You can see Euro dollar number two coming in 2010. Um, the peso had rebounded from the 2009 low. It started to move back with oil prices, the economy, some moderate dollar flows throughout the euro dollar world, the euro dollars world, up until you do see an impact late April, early May 2010. Remember the flash crash on Wall Street? That wasn't about stocks and computer trading. It was about low levels of liquidity, believe it or not, because of, yes, collateral. In that case, Greek bonds. Greek bonds were upsetting European repo markets, which had spillover effects. And you see that little blip even in something like the Mexican peso, which you wouldn't normally associate with something like Greek bonds. But again, globally connected euro dollar world. The peso went back on its rebound throughout the rest of 2010 into 2011. But as soon as the full weight of euro dollar number two started to show up around March and really April, early May of 2011, suddenly the peso is, draw, is, is dragged into the growing dollar shortage banking crisis of euro dollar number two too. And that included late July into early August 2011. Suddenly the peso really goes down, massive collateral shortage. They called it the European sovereign debt crisis, but they should have called it collateral shortage number two or just euro dollar number two as we do here. And the peso plummeted. 
It rebounded a little bit in early 2012, but then fell again. Again, the ebbs and flows of these Eurodollar cycles, they're not monolithic. There's always, nothing ever goes in a straight line. But Eurodollar number two, clear imprint on Mexico's peso too, collateral shortage. Eurodollar number three, that one showed up for a lot of emerging markets, including Mexico, in 2013. You see another little bit of a hiccup in the peso. It gets a little bit weaker. Uh, it's, it's knocked off of its rebound trend and starts to go in the downward direction where other currencies around the world were really trending. Brazil's real and, of course, China's yuan. 2014, the yuan gets weaker. Eurodollar number three really develops. But the peso kind of hung in there until summer of 2014. Then you had falling oil prices, growing euro dollar disruption, global dollar shortage, the economic consequences of all of those things building up around the world, and the peso absolutely plunged. Not all at once like it had in 2008, but instead on a steady incline downward, which nothing seemed to stop it. So it was a massive euro dollar uh, disruption, including again collateral, because what you see, the peso really starts to take that downward trajectory in November and December of 2014, just after we had a massive collateral warning, October 15, 2014, which suggested that global dollar conditions were about to take a real hit. So the peso was another one of those key consistent indications that suggested, yep, the euro dollar, the global dollar shortage, euro dollar number three is really going global and it's having a major impact. Even Mexico's being brought into it. Euro dollar number four. Number four, Mexico wasn't necessarily heavily involved in number four, but you had the rebound in 2017 that was short-circuited around September of 2017, along with a lot of stuff. Again, these euro dollar cycles, they, they're not... They're not um, black and white. It doesn't just, it's not like you're flipping a switch. You see some warning signs ahead of time and then things really start to go wrong in the thick of the euro dollar cycle. But we had these, these initial warnings in September of 2017 heading into the end of the year. I mean, cross-currency basis swaps is a big one, including Mexico's peso. That rebound, the short-lived rebound it had been on from euro dollar number three, what we call reflation number three. Instead, September 2017, suddenly the peso gets weaker. And then it corresponds a lot with other indications around the rest of the world, including other dollar exchange values like CNY. We see the peso get really weak from April 18th of 2018, which is a date that comes up in a lot of currencies. Um, so again, same themes here. And since middle of 2018 was a lot about collateral, that's at the center of most of these euro dollar cycles it was impacting Mexico's peso too. You didn't have the same weakness, obviously, as euro dollar number three, but there was a steady weakening trend, um, a, a relatively modest weakening trend, but a steady weakening trend all the way through 2018 into 2019. And then another dollar crisis shows up in February 2020, the pandemic, overreactions to it, shutting down everything. Dollars become very hard to source and the peso absolutely plunges. So again, we see it's not about interest rates, not about monetary policies. It's about global dollar conditions. It's the euro dollar's gravity imposing itself on financial indications like dollar exchange values. 
Eurodollar number five, though, that's been completely different where it comes to Mexico. And that's what really focuses our attention on what's going on with the peso. Because Eurodollar number five, you look at all the other currencies around the world, including China's, Eurodollar number five, we've seen currencies plummet against the dollar, including the yuan, the yen, uh, Indian rupee, all the ones that we've been talking about, and many, many more, the Australian dollar, the New Zealand dollar, even the euro to a, a huge extent in 2022. The one major economy currency that didn't plunge in 2022 was Mexico's peso. It bucked the entire global trend in 2022 and actually began in 2021. November of 2021, the peso, which had been weak with all the rest of the currencies in, in the middle part of 2021, but November and December of 2021, the peso starts to rise, which was, again, contrary to the trend. Now, you do see setbacks in it that were consistent with the big, big, uh, big euro dollar events in March of 2022. And again, in June and July of 2022, the peso drops a little bit, but then it gets right back on its rising trend. But from July 14th, 2022, the peso sort of went up at almost a 45 degree angle. It just It went up, again, completely contrary to every other currency exchange value that we saw at the same time. The yuan got incredibly weak. The euro got incredibly weak. The rupee was plummeting. And here was the peso skyrocketing against all, all I guess, expectations, against everything that we would, we would expect from the conditions that were happening and unfolding 2022 into 2023. And the peso kept going into 2023. Uh, despite the ups and downs in every other currency related to China reopening, the peso was on its own, rising steadily. Now, there was again another hiccup early March of 2023. Again, Silicon Valley Bank, that all that stuff. But the peso continued to be strong throughout 2023, seemingly no matter what. Outside of short-run fluctuation, it was to the moon, seemingly. So why was that? What is it that the peso was getting that nobody else was? And the answer is, I think most people have an idea of what the answer is. And it was what people call nearshoring or slobalization. I've seen it referred to. Basically, as supply chains are being rethought, as companies around the world are thinking, do we really want to be exposed to China and some other places? Wouldn't it be better if we had production capabilities that were maybe not in the United States, but close enough to the United States that it's the same thing. Taking advantage of NAFTA, why not move production to Mexico? So you have a lot of people rethinking supply chains, but not just rethinking, actually acting on it and building new facilities in Mexico to replace facilities that they would move from outside of Asia and China specifically. And we do see that, not just in the peso, and the peso's rise would represent essentially money flowing into Mexico, independent of other economic fundamentals. So you have money flowing into Mexico, the peso goes up in exchange value. But it's not just the peso. We can identify these economic results and impact from this nearshoring and slobalization and things like GDP to an extent, but really industrial production in Mexico. Uh, to save you from going through all the economic statistics, let's just focus on that one. What we see of IP in Mexico is what you see in a lot of places around the world, at least at first. Going back to September of 2021, industrial production, which had been kind of flat, suddenly took off. 
And it took off because of the inventory cycle. September 2021, we started getting massive amounts of overordering. Production ramped up in Mexico. Enough of the pandemic restrictions were lifted. There had been enough supply becoming available of various parts and components that led to Mexico taking advantage of the upswing to the inventory cycle. But manufacturing in Mexico, that well, that kept going from September 21 into 22, that began to stall out with the inventory cycle in September 2022. So from manufacturing's perspective, industrial production should have short-circuited and started to decline in October and September of 2022, along with everything else around the rest of the world. But again, the peso kept going, industrial production kept going. So if it wasn't manufacturing, let's look at mining. Maybe it was oil, oil production. And of course, Mexico has said, its president had said since December 2021, they wanted to, they're going to stop all, all uh, oil exports. They want to they want to keep all that oil home. And while they have been cutting back on oil exports, oil export is still a big thing in Mexico. And oil production is a big thing in Mexico, even though oil production has lagged. But as you see in the industrial production statistics, that doesn't account for either the peso nor does it account for the economic circumstances, nor would oil prices account for the peso either, because you think July 2022 is the peso surging, oil prices are beginning to fall. So it's not oil, it's not oil production. Instead, here it is. Holy crap, are they building stuff in Mexico. A massive construction boom. And look at where that construction boom began in the summer of 2022, really August and September 2022. So when the inventory cycle was just about reaching its, its inflection, this nearshoring globalization really ramped up in Mexico, which would account for the pesos rise because money really started to flowing before the construction began. So we've got massive globalization, nearshoring, absolute construction boom in Mexico, dollars flooding in to finance all that, which then leaves us with the cliffhanger. And that is, the peso stopped rising in late July, 2023. And since late July, along with all of our collateral indications, suddenly the peso, where they're still building, where there's still massive amounts of construction, where there's still nearshoring going on, the peso has not plummeted, but it has been noticeably weaker than at any point in the last several years. It has been now a more than two and a half month setback that has pushed the peso value down, especially today, to its lowest level in many months. It's a clear change in trend and not just a short run fluctuation, which is consistent with all the other indications of collateral and euro dollar sufficiency all around the rest of the world. So what does that say about this growing euro dollar disruption that it appears to be substantial enough to even disrupt what had been not just the best performing currency around the world, but one that stuck out against all of its peers. The peso had been benefiting from a massive wave of financing and economic activity, and even that was brought into the euro dollar's orbit. So we have something big going on in the euro dollar world under the surface all throughout the summer into the fall, and it's still happening. And you wonder why people are not happy with the U.S. dollar system. Whether they realize it or not, this is a symptom of that problem, which is exactly what we're going to talk about in tomorrow's webinar. But for our purposes today, 
The peso is a big one, and like the rupee and like Japanese government bills, it is telling us something important about the background in the Eurodollar system. What are Eurodollar cycles? Well, I went over that just recently in the video, and that's the one I've linked below me here. I hope to see you tomorrow at, to, at our webinar. Thank you, as always, for joining me. Huge thank you, Eurodollar University subscribers and our Eurodollar University members, some of whom you see over here. And until next time, take care.